الله الرحمن الرحيم وبه نستعين اللهم يسر ولا تعسر رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم قال الله سبحانه وتعالى في محكم تنزيله ادعوا الى سبيل ربك بالحكمه والموعظه الحسنه وجادل بالتي هي احسن وقال رسول صلى الله عليه وسلم خذوا عني مناسككم all praise due to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we thank him glorify him we send our salutations to the prophet muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam the respected brothers and sisters in faith the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam being the best of example uh, instructed his uh, companions to take from him their hajj rituals we spoke about these hajj rituals when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded ibrahim alayhi salam to construct the kaaba he said to him wa'zin fil nas bil hajj ya'tuka rijalan wa 'ala kulli damirin ya'tina min kulli fajjin amik call people towards hajj men and women will come from different angles of the world they will come walking on a mount just call Ibrahim alayhi salam at this time thinking how can his voice reach out that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he made it in a sense that Ibrahim alayhi salam is just to make the call and he Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make people or those that he Allah have chosen will answer the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the prophet sallallahu alaihi taught his companions to learn from him whatever they see he does regarding the uh, hajj rituals we're not going into details regarding that our aim is to look at the advantages of the days of the hajj or this month that we are into most importantly for those who are performing hajj one and most important thing is always in all of our affairs we should have al-ikhlas anything that you do you need to do it with the sincerity for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we come from the part of the world where people the moment they land in saudi arabia or in mecca or jeddah they quickly rush to get something that they decorate themselves with so that they will be considered as hajj or hajjah in a sense that they want to boast with that to the extent there are some communities where when they get there the evidence of them performing hajj going back to their countries of origin is to go and buy golden teeth or silver to put it on this has nothing to do with the hajj rituals as we perform our five daily prayer there's no any name specific that you need to attain when you pray your five daily prayer for someone to say oh someone who always prays there's no specific name that you need to be called 
when you fast in the month of Ramadan for you to be called the fasting person there's no any specific name that you have to be called just because you're giving charity all the deeds that we do for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we are to do it with sincerity we are to do it we do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala some people will go at the time of Hajj unfortunately they will miss important aspect of the Hajj ritual but they go back home proud as who judge it is very important to acknowledge number one we need to do things for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and for that matter one needs to know what we call ahkam al-hajj wal-umrah we need to know the rulings of hajj and umrah so that we know what is accepted and what is not or what nullifies our ibadah and what also makes it better we also need to know things that are good in terms of those rituals uh, actions and deeds that are accepted Normally, unfortunately, these days of uh, technology, people will go to perform Hajj or Umrah. When they get to perform Tawaf, they forgot the purpose of being there. They have to then call their families and friends worldwide on the social media, and then they are live taking photos or videos and chatting with the family. This is not the concept or the purpose of our ritual. We need to always know what is accepted and what is not. What is good for these uh, sort of uh, activities and what is not. It is very important to acknowledge that. A person who is also performing Hajj or, or Umrah needs to know how much will be enough for him or her to be able to sustain their lives throughout their stay in uh, Mecca and Medina and the places that they will be visiting. You don't go there and beg. We've seen people that will always come. You sitting down, someone will come and sit next to you and start asking, do you speak English? Do you speak Arabic? Well, I'm coming from such and such place. Uh, I lost my wallet every single day. You see people, they said they are coming to perform Hajj or Umrah, but they come begging there. All that are not things that should, that should take you there. We are to go there for the purpose of Ibadah. So it is very important if you are going to take what will be enough for you. If you cannot afford, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها Allah will not put any burden on any soul unless what they can. So do not put yourself in a situation where you have to start begging when you are supposed to be performing Hajj or Umrah. Another important thing that we need to also observe is to understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not the Kaaba or the black stone when we go the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he will kiss the black stone and he said when you cannot reach it from far just point at it and kiss your hand even if it's a stick that you're holding use that to point at it that's it you go around the Kaaba and you see people Instead of making the tawaf, they are fighting to go and touch the black stone. They fight each other, they push each other, they become so violent. Instead of worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, now they become so violent. Now, look at the place 
where you are in front of the what the house of Allah instead of a person concentrating fully in ibadah they end up trying to create unnecessary fight so we need to know all this if you are very close to the uh, Hajar al-Aswad there's nothing wrong with you kissing it but it is not part of the obligatory aspect of the ibadah that you have to touch it that you have to kiss it that you have to stay and put your head in it to the extent people will start shouting when they touch it they come and then disturb the whole environment all these are not acceptable so we need to look at our akhlaq and our activities when we are around such an environment and also very important when you find yourself in a big environment of that nature people will make mistake someone will step on you someone will do something the idea here is you should learn to have patience to deal with people that you are meeting them not only that when you go there you need to engage in some important activity alhamdulillah when it comes to hajj ritual the prophet وسلم, teaching his companions how to perform hajj he has given them open window in a sense that you don't need to know specific thing to be able to perform tawaf for example while performing tawaf you can make dhikr you can make dua you can make istighfar you can just read quran so it is open platform that you can do what you are comfortable with which means if you cannot read you know how to say la ilaha illallah you know how to say subhanallah you know how to say allahu akbar so keep making this and also you can make dua asking allah for whatever you want just keep making dua as you making the tawaf there is nothing concrete that you have to do this or else you have not met the condition of uh, hajj or umrah and also we need to be very careful when it comes to there is a place called al-khatim where they call Hijr al-Ismail, it is part of Kaaba, but it has been like a half cycle like this next to the other side, opposite of, uh, just next to, on your right side of the door of the Kaaba. That part is considered part of the Kaaba in a sense that when you pray inside, it's as if you've prayed inside the Kaaba. But when you are making tawaf, and you go through that area, your tawaf is not completed because you have cut through instead of going around the Kaaba you have cut through so all this we need to be mindful some people they just rush without finishing the tawaf they are rushing to get to such places so all these are things that we need to remind ourselves on when we are performing Umrah or when we are planning to go to Hajj Hajj is also divided into three we have what we call tamattu. Tamattu is basically the type of hajj that one can have intention of performing umrah and then have some days off after performing umrah they will take the white gown off and put their normal clothing and live normal life until the 9th of 8th of Dhulhijjah and then put on the ihram and then get ready for um, uh, hajj ritual that is tamattu. And when we have what we call Kiran. Kiran is combining your Umrah and Hajj together, which means that a person might take on the seventh of Dhulhijjah, they will go and perform Umrah, and then the next day straight away they will go to Mina and start uh, the 
uh, preparing for uh, Arafah, which is the ritual of the Hajj. That is Tiran. And then we have Ifrad, which a person would only have intention of performing Hajj only, no association with Umrah whatsoever. So such a person will only go, whatever time they go, they'll only wait until the 8th of Zulhijjah, then they take Ihram and then start getting ready for the Hajj rituals. So these are things that are basic things that we need to know and we need to know which type of Hajj are we performing. Are we doing Tamatur? Are we doing Kikiran? Or are we doing Ifrad? We need to know this as well. And also when you know which one you're doing, you know how to prepare yourself when you get there. It is very important to also know the rules or the arkan. What are the arkan of uh, Umrah, for instance? Umrah has what the arkan is very basic. Number one is Ihram, which is the intention and then putting on the white gown for men and for women, dressing up basic clothing that they will wear to cover them themselves. Whilst performing tawaf, remember we don't cover the, hair, uh, the face. So for women who are even using niqab, whilst doing tawaf, they will open up until they finish. Men also whilst performing or going to around tawaf, they don't have to cover their hair. We open our shoulder one-sided, that is the, the right side will be open. And also number two is the tawaf. So ihram, number two is tawaf, and number three is sa'i. Sa'i is going in between Safa and Marwa. The moment you do this, this three, automatically Umrah is done. The next thing is to shave your hair or to just have the whole hair all uh, shaved off or you just, just take a bit of it. And as we made mention on Friday, for ladies, it's just the size of a, a finger is enough for them to cut off the hair. They don't need to have hair cut as men do. So be mindful of that. When it comes to the arkan of Hajj, they are a bit different, even though there are some similarities. With the Hajj, number one is Ihram. Number two, Wuku for Arafah. So we need to go to Arafah. A person who performs Hajj and does not go to Arafah, his Hajj will not be accepted. They have to redo the Hajj again on another day. Number three, Tawaf al-Ifada. So immediately after Arafah, uh, a person will go to Muzdalifa and then do the first Jamarat. And then after that, that is then the next day is uh, when they do the sacrifice because that's the day of Hajj. They will go and do Tawaf al-Ifada and then they will come back to Mina and continue with the Ayam al-Tashrik, which is... Uh, doing the, the, the stoning as continues until the, uh, the last uh, day. And then, of course, the Sa'i also, going in between Safa and Marwa. These are the main four arkan of uh, Hajj. And regarding that, we quickly look at it again. We have Ihram. Ihram is taken at the Miqat. Miqat is exactly the spot where a person will take the intention. It can be outside of Mecca. It can be inside of Mecca. Outside of Mecca, for those who are traveling by airline, if they are to take their intention on the way, most often the pilots or the uh, aerostats will announce and say, from this place you can make your intention if you are performing Umrah or Hajj. Number two, the shaving of hair. Number three, as we made mention, we go for Arafah uh, from sunrise until the sunset. And also it is said that if you, you have to be there until the sunset, and then you go to Muzdalifa where you combine your Maghrib and Isha and pray. And also 
uh, also sleeping or uh, sleeping at Muzalifa to get ready for the next day after Fajr. You pray Fajr before picking the pebbles. People sometimes rush in picking the stones before the Fajr prayer. Your prayer is more important and also uh, staying over at Mina and then Tawaf in Wada, which is the Tawaf of saying goodbye. So these are basically some things that one needs to know regarding Hajj and Umrah. Now we quickly look at for those that are not performing, which is that some of us who are not uh, performing Hajj or Umrah at this stage. What do we do? So we spoke about this, a bit of that in the previous lesson. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, مَا مِنْ أَيَّامٍ عَمَلُ الصَّالِحِ فِيهَا أَحَبُّ إِلَى اللَّهِ مِنْ هَذِهِ الْأَيَّامِ يَعْنِي أَيَّامِ الْعَشْرِ There is no day that deeds are so beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like these 10 days, which this, he means the day or the 10 days of Dhul Hijjah. So it is very important, we that are not performing Hajj, to take advantage of these 10 days or the first 9 days of Dhul Hijjah because the ninth day is the day of Arafah and the day after will be the day of Eid. These days we're supposed to take advantage by doing lots of good deeds. We spoke about what the Prophet ﷺ said, Afdalud Dua, Dua Yawmul Arafah. The best of Dua is the Dua of the day of Arafah. And he said, Afdalu ma kultu wa nabiyuna min qabili, la ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika la, lahul mulk, wa lahul hamd, wa huwa ala kulli shayin qadim. The best thing that I have said, and the prophets that came before me, is la ilaha illallah, wahdahu la sharika la, lahul mulk, wa lahul hamd, wa huwa ala kulli shayin qadim. So these are basically something that one needs to start from the first day of the Hijjah. Looking at our calendar and the information we're getting, possibility tomorrow will be the first day of Dhul Hijjah. Which means that we can also start taking advantage of it with fasting. The companions of the Prophet وسلم, they said the Prophet told us to fast because fasting, there are lots of reward in fasting. Fasting is an opportunity for a person. So the scholars have come together with this, um, with this sort of categories of ibadah. The same way as we have lots of ibadah in the month of Ramadan, we should do the same type of ibadah in the first 10 days of the month of Dhul Hijjah. Which means we fast, we read Quran, we do lots of dhikr. So these are things that are encouraged for us to do in these first 10 days of the month of Dhul Hijjah. Number one, fasting. As we made mention, fasting is very good and it's really encouraged to do. Number two, reading Quran. We need to read Quran in a sense that we read it to get reward. We read the Quran so that we also what we do, what we call tadaburat. We are thinking about the meaning. We are reflecting on how to act upon the words. If a person want to read the entire Quran, Within the first 10 days of the month of Dhul Hijjah, then every single day, they try to finish three juzu, which means by, by the day of Eid, they will complete the entire Quran as they do in the last 10 days of the month of Ramadan. So this is fasting, and also we're talking about reading Quran. Fasting, if you cannot fast the whole month, try to fast as many days, uh, the whole 10 days or 9 days, try to fast as many days as possible. And also, 
if you cannot at all, the day of Arafah is really encouraged to fast. And for that matter, everyone has to fast on that day. That is the day before Eid, which with our calculation today will be next week, Tuesday, if tomorrow really is the first of Zulhijjah. Now, Aisha and other wives of the Prophet said, the Prophet will fast a lot. Almost every month he will fast three days every month or Mondays and also Thursdays. So he fasts also the day of Arafah and also the day of Ashura. So these are just isharat to tell us how the Prophet fasts a lot in those days of the year. Now another thing that we can also remind each other is lots of zikr and also takbir and also tahmeed. It is very important that it came in the sunnah of the Prophet that in the first 10 nights or first 10 days of the month of Zulhijjah, he وسلم, will be reciting dhikr, lots of it, making takbirat, lots of it, making tahleel, lots of it, and also tahmeed, lots of this. And I remember there was a saying about uh, Abu Huraira and Abdullah ibn Abba, uh, uh, Ahmed Abdullah ibn, uh, ibn Abu, uh, Ab, uh, Umar ibn al-Khattab these two guys at their time what they do was they will always walk in the market in the first 10 days of Zulhijjah and they will be saying La ilaha illallah or they will be saying Allahu Akbar Allahu Akbar La ilaha illallah Wallahu Akbar Walillahi alhamd they will keep repeating this and they are reminding people to do so which means that it is very important when it comes to this we do this dhikr out loud you don't do it do it just in your heart you do it out loud these are what the judge will do and these are what those that are also not performing hajj will do so we should remember to always do this adhkar or do this zikr astaghfirullah Subhanallah, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, walillahi alhamd. We should do that as many times as possible as the Prophet wasallam ordered or commanded us to do. To talk about this, if we are to take each one of those by themselves, they can be topics that we can talk about. In the month of Ramadan, we do lots of zikr and istighfar, seeking Allah's forgiveness because we are human, we do make mistakes. And we are always asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying in the Quran, Tubu jami'an. You should always repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us in the Quran again, Fakultu stakfiru rabbakum innahu kana ghaffara, yursil sama'a alaykum midrara, wa yumdidukum bi amwalin wa banina wa yaja'alakum jannatin wa yaja'alakum anhara. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us the importance of doing istighfar, seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness in our shortcomings. So all these things, we can do multiples of that, especially in the first 10 days of the month of Zulhijjah, so that we can attain reward because the Prophet sallallahu said, the deeds that are done in these days are so beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we want to be among those that will be the, among those that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is accepting their deeds in this special month of the year. Another important thing that we need to engage in is udhiyya. 
It's amazing. The Prophet wasallam said, anyone that has the means of slaughtering an animal in sacrificing and he did not do so, that person should not come to our Eid prayer. Listen to this carefully. Anyone who has the means to make udhiyah, which is to buy an animal and sacrifice for the Eid, and the person did not do that, that person should not come to our Eid prayer. So if, if the Prophet ﷺ is telling us how important this sacrifice is, and you sit down saying, because I'm not married, or because I am, I am a bachelor, that is not an excuse, brother Imtiaz. We need to understand it is very important. Everyone needs to do the sacrifice unless you, ha you don't have the means. So he said, if you have the means and you did not do that, do not even come to our Eid prayer. These are words of the Prophet ﷺ. As harsh as it can be, these are reality when it comes to our religion. So we need to be very careful. We need to always look at things the way the Prophet ﷺ has ordered us to. Dear respected brothers and sisters, and as we made mention, if you don't have the means, then definitely you should be qualified to be given the meat as a sacrifice. So we are looking around and we make sure that we take care of each other. We and also the last thing is, uh, for those who are also doing the sacrifice, we spoke about their haircut and also uh, cutting the nails. So today will be their last day. From tomorrow onwards being the first of Dhul Hijjah, no haircut, no cutting nails until the day of Eid. Remember, this always is centered on the head of the family. Unless if the husband and wife came together and said, we are contributing and doing it individually as con contribution, then both of them do not need to have the haircut or cutting the nails. But if the husband, being the head of the family, is doing it across the board, or he said, I'm slaughtering one animal for the family, it's enough for everyone, but he is the only one that needs to abstain from haircut and also cutting the nails. So these are just short reminder. We're hoping, inshallah, this will be a good reminder for all of us. Let's take advantage of these days. Lots of zikr, lots of salat al-nabi, lots of reading Quran, making la ilaha illallah istighfar, lots of this. For indeed, the reward are massive and you don't want to miss that. That's where, inshallah, hoping, inshallah, with this, we'll be able to take advantage of the first 10 days of the month of Dhul Hijjah. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta wa nastakfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yusifun. Wassalamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Inshallah, we'll take your questions now.